You're listening to the HFO Multifamily Market Watch podcast. Apartment owners who need to know trust HFO, the leading source for multifamily information in Oregon and Washington. Welcome back to HFO's Multifamily Market Watch podcast. It's Monday, August 9th. I'm Mike Pierce, HFO Research Analyst. The big stories from this past week. The federal eviction moratorium has been extended to October 3rd. How does that affect Oregon and Washington? Washington lumber prices soared to new heights amid pandemic. A warning of things to come for Oregon and Washington rental assistance reimbursements for landlords. And after almost 100 years, Oregon officially lifts its ban on different types of homes, opening an opportunity for multifamily development. We'll be back with the details on these stories and more in just a moment. HFO's podcasts are sponsored by the Tax Deferral Accommodator Butler Exchange Group, serving as a resource to investors, brokers, attorneys, accountants, lenders, and financial planners on the ins and outs of 1031 exchanges. HFO is your leading multifamily real estate firm in Oregon and Washington. Now, on to our news briefing. The CDC's original eviction moratorium, which had been in effect since September, expired on July 31st, leaving more than 11 million Americans who continue to be behind at their rent at risk. Three days later, the health agency announced a new ban that will be in effect for 60 days in areas where COVID rates remain high. The moratorium prevents taking any action to pursue an eviction of non-payment of rent where the tenant identifies themselves as a covered person. A covered person means a tenant who provides a declaration signed under the penalty of perjury that 1. The tenant has used their best efforts to obtain all government assistance for rent or housing. 2. The tenant earned no more than 99000 or 198000 filed jointly in 2020 or expects to earn no more than that amount in 2021. 3. The tenant is unable to make a full rent payment due to substantial loss of income, layoff, or extraordinary out-of-pocket medical expense. 4. The tenant is using their best efforts to make timely partial rental payments that are as close to the full payment as possible that the tenant's circumstances allow. And 5. The eviction would likely result in the tenant becoming homeless. The written declaration can be provided in any manner, but it must be signed under penalty of perjury. Practically speaking, this is yet another hoop to jump through to address prior to proceeding to the action of last resort, eviction, and frustrates an already an intense and complicated process. The federal moratorium does not apply to evictions resulting from other basis of termination under Washington's just cause laws. Washington's lumber industry is reporting record revenue as the pandemic continues to impact production levels and a challenging housing market. In Washington, the State Department of Natural Resources, or the DNP, manages more than 2.2 million acres of forest land. Harvests on that land are contracted out to private companies who pay taxes on the profits, 70% of which go to rural counties. Based on new projections released by the DNR on Wednesday, the cost of wood is rising. Through March 2020, lumber prices peaked at $478 per 1,000 board feet, or MBF, before crashing to $363 per MBF in May of 2020. Prices have trended upwards since they peaked again at $1,000 per MBF in September. By November, prices slid back to $623 per MBF before rebounding to $1,203 in April. DNR forecasters attribute the surging prices to wood manufacturers struggling to expand output to meet renewed demand and labor shortages. Interestingly, Russia, which supplies about 12% of the Earth's lumber, plans to ban all exports sometime in 2022. That could send Washington's lumber prices higher in the near future. A warning of things to come for Oregon and Washington rental assistance reimbursements for landlords. 
A good case study for this may be happening in Ohio right now. To get federal rent relief from tenants, landlords are filing evictions against them. Major delays in rental assistance have promoted some Ohio landlords to pursue funds by filing for eviction, the outcome the program is exactly meant to avoid. $25 billion in federal rent relief was allocated by Congress in December and another $21.5 billion in March. The National Low-Income Housing Coalition has over 340 different programs attempting to administer the federal aid. In addition, many states and localities have never administered this type of aid before. Also, remember that Oregon has extended its moratorium to February 2022, very similar to some local moratoria that have been filed in Washington in cities such as Seattle. Oregon is attempting to distribute this aid by hiring a third party. Many agencies are saying that Oregon's faulty software is slowing the rental assistance, putting renters at risk of eviction. Oregon paid $395,000 to software vendor Alita 360 to implement a centralized application program for its federally funded $204 million Oregon Emergency Rental Assistance Program. State officials are hoping that the new system would streamline the application process by funneling tenants to a single application portal rather than require them to seek aid through nonprofits and community agencies across the state. We will be following the story in the future to see how the rental assistance program money is being distributed to landlords in Oregon and Washington. After almost 100 years, Oregon officially lifts its ban on different types of homes, opening an opportunity for multifamily development. The majority of residential lots in Portland can now have anywhere from a duplex up to a below-market sixplex, a large group co-living home, or a tiny backyard home on wheels. Sunday, August 1st was the effective date for the series of reforms passed by the Portland City Council over the past 12 months, including most provisions of the city's residential infill project and shelter for housing continuum project. These reforms add up to a dramatic overhaul of the low-density zoning that Portland, like many other North American cities, created in the 1920s. The author Michael Anderson asks a very simple question. Okay, they're legal. How are we going to build them? It's a question that many localities have asked and is even being discussed in the Democrats' next reconciliation bill. The author Michael Anderson also argues that the best way forward may be for the market to trend away from flipping and indiplexification and possible subsidies for affordable sixplex homes. One thing everybody can agree on is that Portland at least now has a pressure valve if its housing shortage gets worse. One must also weigh the present versus the future. Allowing big group homes and backyard homes on wheels is about the present. Allowing fourplexes and mixed-income sixplexes is mostly about the future. We will be following this to see how it develops in the future. And we will also be interviewing Michael Anderson about the subject later this month on HFO TV. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week with a new edition of Multifamily Market Watch. Be sure to check out our most recent HFO TV interviews. The next will be an interview with Michael Havlick, Deputy Executive Director of Multifamily Northwest, talking about Oregon legislature approach to housing in 2021. HFO TV interviews are available on our website or our YouTube channel. You can always stay up to date on multifamily news throughout the week by visiting or subscribing to the Northwest Department Investor blog available on our website. Thanks for listening and talk to you next week. Stay in the know with HFO. Listen to podcasts, read the latest news, or watch exclusive HFO TV interviews. Connect to our blog, podcasts, or video interviews directly from our website at hforecom